time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, September 1st, 2023. Praise be to God, you made it to Friday. It's the Feast of Saint, and I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Saint Fiars, I want to say. Is that the way you pronounce it? It ended up becoming meaning something along the lines of like a carriage, but it comes from the saint, which you will be at the end of this wondering, so why did that come from this? And the answer is, I have no idea. So he was born at the beginning of the 7th century into an illustrious Irish family. I know we have a lot of people who love the Irish saints. The Scots affirm that he was the son of one of their kings who was raised by his brothers by St. Conan, the Bishop of Iona. As a young man, he left his parents and family to serve God in solitude. He went to France seeking St. Faro, who was a bishop of Mo, and he asked him for a place where he could live a solitary life away from the world. The bishop was very joyful in hearing this request and set up a place for him to go. Now, it's interesting because this man is a prince. He's used to a life of luxury and comfort. Think about you and I, who live better than any prince at that time would have lived. Now, he told Fiars, not far from here, there is a forest that is in my patrimony and that the people call Brol. It is very quiet and isolated. So the two saints went and traveled there together, and the bishop gave him everything that was necessary. And St. Fiars cleared the woods himself. He built a chapel in honor of the Holy Virgin and built a house which became his monastery. There he would receive guests. However, it is important to note that though he received guests and he would minister to the sick, and allegedly he had many, many miraculous cures for those sick and poor people who came to visit him, he never allowed women into his hermitage nor into his church. This was an inviolable tradition in the Irish monasteries that led up after him and before him. And he extended the restriction to include his chapel, which was to the point that the, that the Queen of France, Anne of Austria, made a pilgrimage to the shrine after receiving a miracle from him. So she made a pilgrimage there in Thanksgiving. And she, even she, the Queen of France, did not enter into the chapel nor into the hermitage. A very, very laudable tradition. The Scots recount that, uh, that around the time of the throne of Scotland became vacant. And so emissaries came to him in order to crown him king. But he humbly refused the crown. And it is an even greater virtue to one when you reject your comfortable life for the sake of poverty. But once you go to poverty to be given a legitimate excuse to go back to the world and you reject it a second time, that is an even greater virtue. He died on August 30th, 670, and was buried in the chapel that he built. Countless miracles followed his death, including many miracles to this day. And people still make pilgrimages to this day. So let's pray that he give us the grace necessary to become saints, that we try to reject the comforts of the world and become great saints. And he's the patron of gardeners and cab drivers. Uh, gardeners, because he would garden in the area. Cab drivers? I have no idea. But the word for cab driver in some countries is his name for some reason. Really? So if someone knows the reason behind that, because I couldn't find it, please let me know. Uh, but St. Fiars, 
pray, pray for, for us. us. Wow. So Uber Those, drivers? Yeah. CPRs? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he had like a carriage or something. And uh, I don't know. It seemed like he never left his hermitage, though. <laughs> so I'm like, why is he the patron of, of cab drivers? And nowhere in, the, in the, his biography I was reading mentioned anything about cab drivers or hmm. riding a wagon or even riding a horse. I just said nothing, nothing at all. Would you, in, in that position, would you have taken the crown? Dude, I kind of want. I kind of want to say, yeah, I would. I would have taken the crown. I think I would have taken the crown. Yeah, I don't think I could. Um, that's that. The temptation there is strong, and it's and the 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 thing is, you're being tempted between two goods. Exactly. Yeah. So you always have to pick out the one that's going to bring out the most good. Yeah. And probably for him, I'm. I'm just going to take a wild guess. He probably did some discernment and was thinking, no, actually, this is my place. This is where I can do the most good for God. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Think about you're on that, you have that opportunity and it's your birthright and you have a, a responsibility to your country and you're saying, okay, I'm going to remain a hermit. Like there's, whew, that's rough. That's pretty rough. Now, I do want to mention that our South and Central Texas area, there is a there is the 12th Annual San Antonio Family Association Dove Hunt Fundraiser over at KJMA 89.7. So if you're heading that direction, anyone in South and Central Texas, or I guess anywhere, um, have a blessed time and um, come bring me back some Dove. I'm, I've been craving some. And so if you would bring me some, I'd be very grateful. Also, did, did you get an invite to that? No, I didn't. Neither did I. Are you talking about Dove, like Dove chocolate? Are you talking about Dove no, soap? No, I do the, the the Dove chocolate hunt every day when I head over to Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> I've never once missed. <laughs> so anyway, if you're heading over there for the Dove hunt in San Antonio area, God bless you. God love you. Uh, go have some fun. Thank you for your support. And um, bring me back some Dove. I'm hungry. Mm. Um, also, there is a, a protest happening this Saturday with the TFP. They are having a protest against this uh, rock band that is uh, blasphemous. I'll tell you about that coming up at 15 past the hour. A very, very concerning situation, and I'm glad there's going to be some um, some re- rejection, a counter-revolutionary response to this uh, to this wicked blasphemy against our Lord. That'll be at 6:30 in the Woodlands Pavilion over on this Saturday. Also, Bishop Strickland is having his uh, defending the faith conference. Um, I'm going to try to make it out there actually. So. I might be out there in Tyler, Texas for the Defending the Faith Conference. If you're going to go, let me know. Uh, maybe I'll be there. I haven't decided for sure. i got to work out one or two things before I can say I'm going or not. But I may be there today and tomorrow. But at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about the uh, protests happening to this Saturday. Plus, is it okay to pray the St. Michael prayer after Mass? I wonder. There's apparently some... People that are not happy about this. At 30 past the hour, is Scott Hahn a schismatic? What? At 30 past the hour, we're going to talk about that with Eric Sammons. So tune in for that. Scott Hahn, um, very interesting story going on there. And the next hour, Dave Palmer, we're going to talk about the intellectual life. We're talking about intellectual virtue. Talk coming up in the next hour. Plus, our fear and trembling game show, as is our custom. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to pray for your needs, whatever it is that you have going on in your life, for our friends, family, benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. We pray for those who are suffering in the with the Maui fires. And in a special way, I ask for your prayers for my grandfather that is going through his cancer treatment. And they pray for his recovery and that everything goes well. 
And September is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrow, so we're going to pray the prayer to Our Lady of Sorrows by St. Bridget. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Blessed Virgin Mary, Immaculate Mother of God, who didst endure a martyrdom of love and grief, beholding the sufferings and sorrows of Jesus. Thou didst cooperate in the benefits of my redemption by thy innumerable afflictions, and by offering to the Eternal Father his only begotten Son, as a holocaust and victim of propitiation for my sins. I think... I thank thee for the unspeakable love which led thee to deprive thyself of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, true God and true man, to save me a sinner. Oh, make use of the unfailing intercession of thy sorrows with the Father and the Son, that I may steadfastly amend my life and never again crucify my loving Redeemer by new sins. Arid that, persevering till death in his grace, I may obtain eternal life through the merits of his cross and passion. Mother of love, of sorrow, and of mercy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are some today's uh, breaking news and stories. Have you heard of this story from Armenia? This one's from the National Catholic Register. The headline is, Trapped Armenian Christians Deserve Global Attention. Few Americans have ever heard of Nagorno-Karabakh, also called Artsakh by the Armenians, a landlocked territory set in the rugged Caucasus Mountains that separate Eastern Europe from Western Asia. Currently, it's a place of suffering caused by an inhumane blockade that is preventing food, fuel, medicine, and other necessities from reaching its 120,000 inhabitants. As is often the case in the Caucasus region, the latest crisis has a long history stemming from a bitter rivalry between predominantly Christian Armenia and predominantly Islamic Azerbaijan, as well as other complex geopolitical factors in place such as the presence of thousands of peacekeeping troops from Russia which brokered a ceasefire between the two former Soviet republics after a war broke out in the enclave in 2020. Breitbart reports student loan Student loan payments come out of deep freeze, but Biden's back door may chill repayments. Interest will begin to accrue again today on September 1st. The first payments will not be due until October. Even though payments officially restart as early as October 1st, the Biden administration has put in place a program that will allow many borrowers to defer payments for up to a year. That could diminish the economic impacts and risks from the restart of student loan payments. Uh, prior to the announcement, many economists were forecasting a decline in consumer spending due to a need to remake payments. For retailers and providers of leisure and hospitality services, it risks sapping some co uh, consumer spending power. And Reuters reports U.S. curbs AI chip exports from NVIDIA and AMD to some Middle Eastern countries. The Biden administration has blocked the sale of certain NVIDIA microchips in the Middle East to prevent China from acquiring them indirectly as part of efforts to limit Chinese access to the technology needed for artificial intelligence development. The restricted chips are essential for training and developing software such as OpenAI's ChatGPT, which uh, is actually really interesting to use. I, I recommend you check that one out. Now, there are, those are some of your headlines today, but if you're wondering what Catholicism looks like in Mongolia, don't touch the dial. Keep it dialed on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Back to you, Adrian. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, the gospel today comes from Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Now, we've actually covered this passage not too long ago. The passage is making its way back around. And so I'm just going to focus on a different aspect of it. You may remember this gospel passage is about 
the coming of our Lord and the ten virgins. And so you have the virgins who are prudent, and then you have your virgins who are foolish. The prudent virgins are the ones who had were prepared, who had their oil lamps full, and the foolish ones are the ones who did not keep enough oil to keep the, the lamp lit. Now, there are many different opinions about who the foolish and the, and the wise and the prudent virgins were. St. Jerome and Hillary said that the prudent, as you understand, all mankind, and by the foolish, the Jews and the heretics, and by the prudent, Christians. Now, St. Chrysostom, he cites that the virgins are only to be understood as those who are the those who are prudent out of uh, oil of charity, those who have are have charitable souls, and the foolish are those who do not have charity. And so the oil itself is charity. Now, many others will say that the prudent virgins are the contemplatives and the religious. So if you have if you join religious life and you are a contemplative soul, you are the prudent virgin. And those who are the foolish are those who hunt for vain praise in the glory of men, those who love what is vain. Now, lastly, Cornelius Lapide seems to endorse this position. This is the one that he kind of puts his weight behind. He says, The prudent are those who have faith together with works of mercy, charity, and other virtues. And the foolish are those who have faith alone without good works. Now, this is interesting that he would say this because he goes on to talk about this and explain what he means. He says, yes, because these are the virgins are there. They're awaiting the bridegroom. And they have the oil lamps, and they're there. But one of them, or five of them, are saying, okay, I'm going to have everything ready. I'm going to be prepared when the bridegroom comes. I'm going to follow him. Whereas the other ones are like, yeah, well, you know, whenever it gets around, I'll make sure to get it. And so he's saying, yes, the oil is good works. So you can have the lamp. You can have the faith that the, that the bridegroom is coming. But if you are not ready for him, you will not be saved. This is very important. Now, lastly, he talks about this in terms of salvation. He said, consider these three things that thou mayest not sin. First, from whence thou comest. Second, whither thou goest. And third, to whom shall thou render the account of thy life? So said another way, he's saying, where did you come from? Where are you going? And who do you have to answer to at the end of your life? So where did you come from? He says, the dirt of the ground. Where are you going? You're going to go to judgment. You're going to go back into the ground and you're going to be judged. And who is going to judge you? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. His judgments are above our judgments. So let us be virtuous today. Let us not be the ones who say faith and no works, but faith and works. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend 
on the Doctors of the Church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Ah, the Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. (laughs) They love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there is this band. You may have heard of them. Maybe you haven't. I had not heard of them. I had to look them up. And it's very, very sad to see what this this band is doing in the name of the First Amendment, in the name of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Well, this thing is really, really bad happening in my neck of the woods. Um, speaking of woods, it's in the woodlands, in the woodlands, Texas. And so this openly satanic band known as Ghost, I don't know, maybe you've heard of them. I'd be curious if you have. I'm, I haven't heard of them, but apparently they used to be pretty popular. Um, they were on the Stephen Colbert show and, and many other things, but I don't watch Stephen Colbert show, so. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not known to me. The, it's an openly satanic band, and it's are performing at the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion. And the, this band is known for having themes of darkness and death and the occult. And I was looking up their Wikipedia page. One of my friends actually uh, sent me screenshots from their Wikipedia page because I was talking about this protest. And they were uh, trying to figure out more information about this person. It was sufficient for me to hear from the, the TFP that they were Satanist for me to be like, oh, okay, that's I, I'm, I trust them. They're probably not lying to me. And they sent me this Wikipedia page, and it's worse than I thought. So get this. They And they, the Chicago heavy metal-themed restaurant, Kuma's Corner, added a hamburger called The Ghost to its menu in tribute to Ghost, which is this band we're talking about. Its recipe includes goat shoulder, red wine reduction, and a communion wafer. A local Catholic food blogger acknowledged that while the unconsecrated wafer is not the Eucharist, it is still symbolic and that it is a mockery of something that is holy. The restaurant's owner acknowledged the controversy and stated they respected religion while refuting, refusing to remove the burger, citing the First Amendment. To demonstrate his respect for opposing views, he donated $1,500 to the Chicago Archdiocese. The, there you go, folks. So I think that's very concerning because the, he made this in honor of the ghost who apparently would order things like that, who would do things like this. They obviously hate not just God, but the Catholic faith. Isn't it interesting that every single time the Satanists come after someone, it's very rarely the anti-Baptist. It's not very rarely is it like anti-Methodist or anti-Episcopalian, anti-Pentecostal. It's always anti-Catholic. Isn't that strange? The Satanists don't tend to attack Protestants as much as they attack Catholics. Hmm. Very interesting to me. It's almost as if the, that the devil doesn't really care how he leads you astray. He just wants you astray. He, if he can get you to go full-blown Satanism, anti-God, he'll do it. But if he can get you to just reject the church, 
and make you become a Protestant instead, well, he'll leave you alone there. Now, you can join us for this rosary rally and protests and acts of reparation. It's going to be Saturday, September 2nd at 6.30 p.m. at the intersection of Lake Robbins Drive and Six Pines Drive in the Woodlands. If you'd like more information, you can reach out to me or um, email protest at tfp.org, protest at tfp.org for more information. You can also email me. I'll send you their flyer. I don't have any additional information, but I can send you the flyer. So if you can, if you would like more information, you'd like to join us, I'll be there. Uh, my family will probably be there as well, and a lot of my friends will be there. We should be having a pretty large crowd, so I'd be very grateful if you would join us. But it's a very, very concerning, and I'm sure these things are happening in your neck of the woods. So keep your eyes peeled for these kind of things. We have to be vigilant, and we have to shut these things down when they show up. So... Onward to something very closely related. We're talking about the fact that, you know, there is Satanism on the rise. And coincidentally, I wasn't planning on talking about the protests. I got a call from Mr. Cesar yesterday, but I was planning on talking about this. The St. Michael prayer. There was, there's this, there's this journal. Uh, maybe it's more rightly called a magazine. I'm not really sure what, how to categorize it, but it's called The Priest. And this is a, a kind of a magazine for, a priest and deacons kind of to help them with formatting sermons, kind of helping them with things in terms of helping them with um, with rubrics and understanding the ins and outs of liturgy, uh, some minor things of canon law, things like that. You know, some priests, they, they read books about, or rather magazines, about uh, lawn care. Others, they read about cars. But this one, the priest, <laughs> I mean, that's flying out the shelves. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, every every priest reads this. <laughs> no, I, mean, I saw it in really. the in the check stand the other day at the grocery store. Did you really? No. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, that's <laughs> wild. What, what grocery cool. store was that? <laughs> I would pick that up. <laughs> well, this they had this uh, article out um, by Father Paul Turner labeled "Evaluating the Prayer to Saint Michael: Where Should the Prayer Be Placed?" And ultimately, his conclusion is nowhere. He says we shouldn't pray the Saint Michael prayer at Mass. Now, I'd be curious if at your parish, do they pray the St. Michael prayer? I'd be curious. I know a lot of priests started doing this very recently, and he kind of traces the lineage of this kind of tradition. And the traditional Latin Mass is done at the end of a low Mass. It's what's called the Leonine prayers. The Leonine prayers were instituted by Pope Leo the Great um, in the 1800s in order to try to promote a devotion to St. Michael and for defense of the Catholic Church. And you may remember whenever in the mornings, whenever I do the intentions for the prayers, one of the intentions is for the salvation of souls and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. That's actually one of the prayers that's prayed in the Leonine prayers. That's one of the intentions. And so this is one of the things that he's added the three Hail Marys and the St. Michael prayer for. Now, this was gotten rid of after the the council. They and actually it has nothing to do with the actual documents of the council. The council itself didn't get rid of the Leonine prayers. The Leonine prayers remained until after the creation of the Novus Ordo Mise. At the Novus Ordo Mise, they suppressed, the language was, they suppressed the Leonine prayers and removed the last gospel. So that's the language that they used in regards to the those things that were happening there. Now, this priest is saying that we should not put it back. And he said that we shouldn't put it back because you can't add things to the Mass. The Leonine prayers are not part of the Mass. It's after Mass. Because Mass ends whenever you have the 
Ite Misa Esco, you are sent, or whatever it is, the whatever version the that your priest gives, yeah. and the final blessing. And so, once that happens, the Mass is over. That's it. It's over. Now, he mentions in this document, he says, well, you know, we often will have a hymn that happens, and the bishops have allowed that, but they haven't allowed for adding of Leonine prayers. But I'm saying, why do you need to ask permission to say prayers after Mass? That doesn't make any sense to me. And so if that's the case, can I just like chant the St. Michael prayer instead? And then it's okay as a, as like a hymn after mass. Can I just chant the Hail Mary? And then it's all of a sudden okay. And so if I chant it, it's okay. But if I just say the prayer, it's not okay. How does that work exactly? And he also goes on and it's really concerning because it almost exudes a Protestant understanding of devotion to the saints. Because one of the things that he mentions here is that the prayers in the Mass are directed to the Father. He said some are addressed to Jesus Christ, especially during the communion, right? But the only words addressed to Mary, the angels, and the saints are in the penitential act and only on the days when the confidior is chosen. Because I, for, I forget the confidior is optional in the, in the Novus Ordo Mise. You can do, the, I think, the, the, the trifold curiae instead, I think. I forget. Um, and there is this concern right because in the traditional confidior you actually will say i confess to almighty god to blessed mary ever virgin to saint michael the archangel to saint john the baptist to the blessed apostles peter and paul and to all the saints and most of those were taken out the the virgin mary was left in the others were taken out so you already have saint michael taken out why was saint michael included in the mass at all well because saint michael is the one as considered the one who takes the prayers and brings them to the altar of God. It is he, whenever we use incense in the sense that are symbolic of our prayers rising up to heaven, it is actually St. Michael who is the one watching over the liturgy, who is the, who is the defender of the church. And so that's why you see St. Michael as a constant within the liturgy. That's very important. Now, here this priest says, to offer a prayer to St. Michael then raises some problems. The practice presumes that something more needs to be said, that the Mass has somehow been left incomplete, and that the remedy comes not another prayer to the Father, but one addressed to an archangel instead. Furthermore, the content of the prayer and a characteristic of its renewal appeal is ecclesiocentric, seeking the defense of the Church. However, other concerns also plead for attentions, victims of natural disasters, etc., etc. Now, this is why I'm very concerned by this. Because that sounds like a very Protestant understanding of our prayers. Mm. Like just because you're praying to the saints, it doesn't take away from God. Because what are the saints doing? They're going to the Father. Whenever you pray to those heavenly souls, to our friends in heaven, you are going to the Father. Just like as if I ask you, Father, to pray for me, it's not saying that I'm not praying to God the Father as well. Because what are you going to do? You're going to go to the Father, no? At least I hope you do. And this is very, very concerning that we have this kind of mentality. It also removes the, you know, the the source of these prayers, the Leonine prayers. Uh, they're called so because they came from uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, who had a mystical experience in the the Vatican Gardens, and uh, it was kind of a, a concerning experience for him. He saw, I think, something demonic, and he was inspired to add those to the end of the Mass. 
it's it's kind of strange to see uh, you know a publication like this that is uh, specifically made for priests to say we should discourage prayer after mass, considering the fact that. Uh, I think most people don't even stick around in Thanksgiving after Mass to to even you know offer offer thanks for what we were just you know in the presence of. We were in the presence of the holy sacrifice of our Lord, you know, an unbloodied sacrifice, right there in front of us, and we just leave. It, it, it's sort of uh, it it cheapens our experience a little bit when we when we are discouraged to pray after Mass. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because he ends. His, his article saying, besides, they, the congregation, the people of God, have just received the Eucharist. There is no more potent defense in spiritual battle, no more powerful exorcism against the force of sin, no greater presence in all the world than the one they received in communion. One, that's true, of course, but two, that doesn't take away. And then he says also, no, they are sent, you know, he says, they do not pause to add another petition. They could have been included more properly in the universal prayer. No, they are sent to proclaim the gospel and to glorify the Lord by their lives. So my question then is, so we're not supposed to make an act of Thanksgiving after Mass? We have to, after Mass is over, we just like run immediately to confront the world? Because he says here, St. Michael himself would surely have the faithful to go forth immediately from the Mass to face the conflicts of the world, armed with the greatest force of the spiritual and temporal goods, the body and blood of Christ. Wait, you're saying that after Mass, my job is to immediately leave Mass and go and confront the world? I can't go and get donuts after Mass? Or chat with my friends? Or talk to Father? Or go remain get breakfast? In his presence. Or make an act of Thanksgiving? Or remain in his presence in Mass? In the, or in, in the church? That's very concerning. That's very, very concerning. So... Let me encourage you, after Mass, kneel down, make an act of thanksgiving, and thank God for the grace of having to be able to attend Holy Mass. And say the St. Michael prayer today. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
Justin News reports Texas Supreme Court allows law banning gender transition treatments for minors to go into effect. Praise be to God. The Texas Supreme Court is allowing the state law banning gender transition treatments for minors to go into effect today, setting Texas up to become one of the most populous states with restrictions on this type of medical treatments, so-called treatments rather. The legislation will prevent so-called transgender children from being prescribed hormone therapies, puberty blockers, and gender transition surgeries, and children who are already on such medications are required to be weaned off. Texas is set to join more than 20 other states that already have laws in place restricting some transgender treatments for children. And Catholic News Agency reports how Blessed Mary found her way to Mongolia. This is an interesting story here. Pope Francis entrusted his apostolic journey to Mongolia to the Virgin Mary at the Basilica of St. Mary Major on Wednesday. The Pope is traveling to Mongolia, where during his trip he will bless a statue of Our Lady known as the Heavenly Mother, which was miraculously discovered in a landfill in the northern region of the country by a Buddhist woman. According to her account, the people of Darkhan used to collect recyclable materials such as plastic and metal to make a living. Among these individuals was a lady named Tsitsigi, who had spent many years scavenging in landfills. One day, as she sifted through the refuse, she stumbled upon a statue carefully tucked away in some clothing. When she asked those around her if anyone wanted to keep it, no one expressed any interest. And captivated by the statue's beauty, Tsitsigi decided to take it home. When some missionary sisters of charity visited her family, the story came to light and Satsigi decided to offer the statue of Mary to, uh, to, our, to Mary, help of Christians perish. In 2022, the Cardinal consecrated Mongolia to the Virgin Mary. A few months after this solemn consecration, he visited Satsigi in Darkhan and she was too ill to participate at the time. The Cardinal expressed that Satsigi felt so ill and she was nearing death and she expressed that, quote, if I'm alive now, it is thanks to that lady, unquote. She requested to be baptized, feeling a profound bond with that lady whom she once discovered in a landfill. Thanks be to God. Those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And uh, hopefully joining us in just a moment will be Eric Sammons, editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Um, but before we jump in, you know, the... I can't be surprised that there's never been a pope who has gone to Magnolia, Mongolia. That's kind of surprising to me. I feel like um, I feel like popes have been everywhere at this point. It's kind of strange. Very interesting to me. Okay, so the situation over here with that I think is really interesting is have you have you heard of this man? I don't know. Maybe you've heard his name before. Uh, possibly. Maybe. Just maybe. There's this man, little known theologian, little known scholar. Uh, at a small university, you know, Scott Hahn, maybe you've heard of him. He's, uh, you know, just not very well known. And he, of course, um, is, uh, people are calling him a schismatic. Now, why are people saying that? People are saying that this man is a schismatic. And I think it's very interesting um, that this is happening. So this story kind of starts with Bishop Strickland. And Bishop Strickland, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful bishop. I've actually, I'm probably going to be uh, going to see Bishop Strickland uh, this weekend. I might be heading to the Defending the Faith conference that he's having in Tyler, Texas. And so if that's, if I'm able to make it out there, I for sure will be able to go and, um, and see, and see that. Uh, but Bishop Strickland released this letter to his faithful in his diocese. Uh, you have to remember, the bishop's primary office is that of teaching. 
at his, his job as a pastor, as a father to his diocese. And so he releases this letter to his diocese, to the people of God in his diocese, and it's very good. The article, the, this letter is very good. He's encouraging the faithful in the faith. He's encouraging, encouraging them to stay steadfast in the faith. He's echoing the words of St. Paul. He is reaffirming the teachings of the church. And he concludes by saying, And if anybody else teaches a gospel contrary to this one, even if it be an angel from heaven, you do not listen to him. That's, I'm using my own words. But basically, that's what he's saying here. And it's very good. He says, in fact, if those people would try to change the faith, what Christ has taught and what Christ's church has taught, then they are indeed the true schismatics. And he urges us in the faith to walk in the way, the truth, and the life, and to be sure that God will not abandon his bride. And I think that's very beautiful. And then what happened? So then Scott Hahn comes out and says, thank you, that he likes this letter. He said this letter is good. And then everyone attacks him. And everyone attacks him. And joining us right now is Eric Sammons, editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine, to tell us about this situation. So I kind of laid out the situation for us, uh, Eric. Um, what was the backlash against Scott Hahn because of this? Yeah, so it was pretty simple what Scott did. He basically just said, you know, thank you to, to Bishop Strickland because Bishop Strickland, unfortunately, is one of the few bishops who speaks very clearly about the Catholic faith. And as you said very well, Bishop Strickland's letter was not some controversial uh, statement by any Catholic sense. I mean, he just was simply stating Catholic truths, uh, talking about that what we have to believe. And it was a warning that if anybody coming out of the synod might say something different, quoting St. Paul, then you, you reject it. It doesn't matter if it's an angel from heaven, which, which means it also doesn't matter if it's a bishop of the Catholic Church who might say something heretical. You, you reject it. It's another gospel. So very basic, not very controversial for Scott Hahn to to say this is good. However, the, the problem is, is then uh, Mike Lewis over at White, Where Peter Is, which is a very hyper-papalist uh, blog. To him, it seems like, and most people at Where Peter Is, there's there's you're either on the side of Francis or you are in schism. You are a terrible person and nothing you say can be uh, considered good or or any any way, shape or form. And Bishop Strickland is on that list of those who are outside the church, according to where Peter is, according to these leftist progressive Catholics. And so the fact that and this is the way of leftist ideology always you saw it all the way back to the french revolution and the fact that scott hahn praised somebody who is outside what he would consider the the true church makes him now outside the true church and so then he basically said that scott hahn has joined the the dissident anti-papal wing of the church and it's just the whole thing is ridiculous anybody who's followed the career of scott hahn like i have knows Scott has not uh, been criticizing Pope Francis. He's not even been talking that. He doesn't. He rarely ever talks about what's going on in the church today. His focus, his mission, is to, is to help Catholics grow in their faith, to to help Protestants see the truth of the Catholic faith, and to help Catholics understand the sacred scriptures. I mean, that's what he focuses on. And the fact that he can't even post a uh, on Facebook, I like this letter, which just restated Catholic truth, just shows how insane 
the criticism is of him. Now, you know, most people will know who Scott Hahn is. Uh, but honestly, whenever I came to know Scott Hahn, I was graduating high school. I think I've read maybe three of his books. Uh, I'm more in the generation of, of your kids, Eric. And so the... Uh, the rub it just, in, rub <laughs> it in. <laughs> and so the situation for me, I, I don't, I'm not as attached to Scott Hahn as certain people. Like my mom and my grandma love Scott Hahn. He's uh, amazing. And so for those who haven't really followed the career of Scott Hahn, who is this man? Is he really this rad trad guy that people are making him out to be this radical and this uh, schismatic? Uh, who is Scott Hahn? Yeah, so Scott was a professor of mine many years ago. Uh, I and I know him. I know him not. I mean, like, like we're best friends or anything now, but I, I know him pretty well. And uh, so in the 1980s, he was a Protestant minister, and he just and he through his own research and talking to others, he became Catholic. And at the time, there was no Protestant ministers becoming Catholic. That was unheard of in the 1980s. And he gave a talk on a Catholic church, and somebody decided, I'm going to record this and make it available to people on a cassette tape. This is back in Dinosaurs Roam the World. We listen to cassette tapes, all those <laughs> things. And that, I mean, by the standards of the day, that, that tape went viral. And I remember listening to it as a Protestant. A Catholic friend of mine said, hey, I got this tape uh, of this Protestant ministry who became Catholic. And I remember I can, I can picture myself in the car. We were driving across Ohio when this happened, and I was thinking, and it was the craziest thing in the world, like, why on earth would a Protestant minister ever become Catholic? It made no sense to me. So I listened to the tape, and of course, eventually I became Catholic, and that was one of the big influences was listening to his story, and lots and lots of people. This, I mean, this, this tape went viral. Lots of people became Catholic. I mean, in the 1990s, a lot of people in America, a lot of Protestants were becoming Catholic. It was like 150,000 a year were wow. becoming Catholic. And there was a large number of them that at least Scott Hahn had some part in it, in, in their conversion. A lot of Protestant ministers became Catholic. And, I mean, Marcus Grodi, for example, who hosts the Journey Home on, on uh, EW10, he's a Protestant minister being Catholic through the influence of Scott Hahn. And so, and in fact, that whole show was about originally like Protestants becoming Catholic, especially Protestant ministers becoming Catholic. And Scott was a major factor in that. So this is somebody who really has had a huge influence on the American Catholic Church as far as bringing people into it. And his focus, and then he's a professor of theology at Franciscan University of Steubenville, has been for over 30 years now. His focus is biblical studies. And so most of his books, he's written over 40 books on a popular level. He's written academic works. Uh, he's founded the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. I mean, he's done a, just a ton of work. And if you read his books, if you read his, uh, if you read the work of St. Paul Center, this is not a a traditionalist outfit by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it just simply is producing good content to help people. Like I said, the main focus of his work is to help Catholics understand the Bible better, understand it as a Catholic book. And so, really, that's that's his. And he he goes around and speaks all the time. And so really, his son is a priest. I mean, this is just a guy who is living the Catholic faith. He does not enter into the public debates that a lot of us do. Meanwhile, said Pilate is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd. And believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Uh, we're talking about the situation with Scott Hahn and Bishop Strickland. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, this great man, Scott Hahn, and this great bishop, Bishop Strickland. And it's really funny to me because, <laughs> to me, that I get lumped in this. And I think Eric, uh, Eric Sam is joining us, the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. I'm sure he experiences something similar. Among the a lot of the very much leftist crowd, they call me a rad trad. And then among some of the people in the far right crowd, along set of a conscious groups and things like that, they'll call me a, uh, a liberal and they'll call me a normie. And I'm like, OK, well, I'll take both titles. That's fine. <laughs> I'll take whatever you can give me. I'll, I'll be I'll be whatever it is you want me to be. And it's funny because then you have these crowds coming after Scott Hahn. And I would like, OK, well, Scott Hahn is is the mainstream of mainstream. He's he and that, I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm just saying that that's just the case. He's loved by everybody. He's like uh, Eric was mentioning in the segment the uh, last segment. He's converted thousands and thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people into the faith. He's sold books about the faith who's uh, who's been uh, revolutionary or I guess counter-revolutionary in terms of the biblical commentaries because this whole historical critical method movement was going on and St. Paul Center was counter-revolutionary and returning to Catholic tradition. He also, Eric was mentioning before he went to break, that he has two sons who are, uh, one is a priest and the other is a seminarian about to become a priest and they're not rad-trad priests either. They're Novus Ordo priests. They're Novus Ordo priests and they're in the diocesan level. And so you're thinking, how can this man be considered a traditionalist? And Eric what I'm concerned about and what I want your take on is this polarization to the point where there can no longer be disagreement. You have to choose a side. You're either with Francis whole and entire or you are against him whole and entire. And Scott Hahn is someone who comes out and says, well, you know, Pope Francis said pray the rosary and I'm going to promote him when he says that. Um, well, they, you're not allowed to say that. You have to say, and if you do say that, you are duplicitous. You are lying to people. You don't, you're not showing your true feelings. Uh, what is your thought about this diet? This, oh, I don't even know, this duplicity. Yeah, I, I think you're at, you hit it very well right there because the problem is it's very much like the political uh, discussions we have now. And I think it really is driven by social media, a lot of it, that you have to be 100% on a certain side and the, the people involved define the sides. And so, for example, like you said, you know, I'm called a rad tribe by some, a semi trad by others. I mean, it just depends on where they are. And that's fine. I, call me whatever you want. But the point is, is that as a Catholic, we don't have to have 100% unquestioning acceptance and agreement with every single thing the Pope says, for example. That's just not a Catholic teaching to, to do that. Now, Obviously, we consider him the Pope, we pray for him, and, and we, we uh, work with him, hopefully for the salvation of souls. But the idea that we have to be in lockstep and make sure every single time he says anything, we say, oh, yes, we agree 100% with it. 
that is a revolutionary. That's like a French Revolution type of attitude that you have to have this complete agreement. And so it really is very destructive because what happens is, is it ends up canceling everybody. And that's exactly what we saw with the, 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 the Scott Hahn thing, that if you were reaching into Scott Hahn now and he's not acceptable, when, like you said, he's very mainstream. Uh, and again, I'm not saying it as an insult either. Uh, he reaches tons of people. It's great what he does. I support his his work a lot. And that's not saying, and the truth is, there have been times he said things publicly that I disagreed with him. And just, and just not even that radical, but just like, ah, yeah, Andrew, I'm not really. That's okay. It's it's okay that we don't we don't have to have this lockstep agreement. That's not what Catholic unity means. Catholic unity is founded, of course, upon the Eucharist, upon our our base beliefs of doctrine, not upon okay, we agree with okay, the way this bishop or way this pope is leading the church. That's not what our unity is based upon. And so the fact is, is that our unity should be based upon the things Bishop Strickland talked about in his letter, the basic truths of the faith. If we're united in that, that's all we should. And we can have this disagreement. It's like a family. We can have disagreements about these things and not reject people, say you're out of the family now because you disagree with me with this prudential decision of a pope or, or something like that. And, you know, it's funny you say that because... I saw this morning Anthony Stein with Return Tradition put out a, a video about Bishop Barron, and I thought it was really funny because Bishop Barron, again, he is um, he is probably more mainstream than Scott Hahn is, and very very uncontroversial amongst certain crowds. Amongst certain crowds, he's more controversial for not being traditional enough, uh, and I'd be more in that camp. I'm very much sympathetic to that opinion. Uh, but the left came after Bishop Barron, and I'm thinking. The, Bishop Barron is a company man. He he does exactly what what the company wants. And Bishop Barron came out and he was saying we need a more intellectual faith. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, very uncontroversial opinion. I hundred percent agree with that. And I kind of just bypassed it and didn't even think twice about it until Anthony Stein brought up that he started getting attacked for this and saying, hey, you are against what the Vatican is doing. You're, you're speaking out against World Youth Day. You're speaking out against these kind of things and um, saying that, yes, I want to evangelize. And somehow that's bad. The, the situation is so fraught that you not only have to agree with everything the Pope says and does, which is something that, like you mentioned, is not Catholic. It's nothing, never been Catholic. And two, you not only have to do that, but you also have to agree with everything that the people he appoints does. And so you have to also agree with all of the things that the people that he has appointed, that those people who are in charge of other groups and the things that they say and do, you have to agree with those things as well, or else you're a schismatic and you're anti-Pope Francis. Uh, what's the solution here? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously they're, they're trying to make you do your pinch of incense to the, the their, their, religion, which is not Catholicism, their deformed version of Catholicism. And that was a perfect example of Bishop Barron. I thought that was hilarious. I saw the same thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. He said that. That's a good thing. But I was like, no, nah, not that big a deal. And then they made such a big deal about it. I think what we do is we have to be focused on the fundamentals. We have to be focused on the fundamentals of the faith, that the clear teachings of the Catholic Church when it comes to these things. For example, of course we evangelize. We evangelize at every effort and anything we do. That that's we're, we're all called to do that. We've been called to do that. I mean, St. Paul, I mean, our Lord himself said, go out and, and teach the whole world. And so we evangelize. Things about the, the, the nature of man and human sexuality. We know abortion is murder. We know homosexual activity is wrong. We know transgenderism is madness. All these things. We just stay focused on those fundamentals. And honestly, 
I think we have to ignore a lot of the noise. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something Scott Hahn does very well is that you notice he didn't like create a response video about this. He didn't like all of a sudden say, okay, I'm going to spend all my time and, and stop all this good work I'm doing in order to defend my name. And I think, honestly, we have to really start doing that. We ignore the noise and we just say, okay, we're going to preach the gospel as it's been handed on to us. Obviously, the bishops and the priests are the forerunners of the preaching, but we, we support them in that. And we tell others about the faith. We believe the faith. We teach it to our kids. If we do that and we just kind of ignore the noise around us, because ultimately the, the, the hyper-papalists, the, the, the leftist Catholics, they're, they're going to fade away because they have a different religion, frankly, that they follow. And if we just focus on the faith, keep our heads down, and kind of ignore that, the silliness that goes on a lot, then I think, I think that's the way forward. You know, it's funny, too. I had made this uh, post this morning uh, preparing for this. I was reading all these articles for and against Scott Hahn and things like that. And it just was funny to me because I'm, I was thinking to myself and ended up tweeting this out. I said, if Bishop Strickland says that those who seek to change what Christ and the church has always taught are the true schismatics, and your reaction is to say that he's coming after Pope Francis, that says more about what you think about Pope Francis than it does about anything about Strickland. Right. They actually do think that Catholic doctrine could be changed. And and I, there's some things the Pope has said that make it appear that he thinks that too. I mean, I, he's less clear about it than others. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and so exactly, if you think that we shouldn't change that, that we shouldn't change church doctrine, and that somehow makes you against Pope Francis, yeah, that that is a problem. I, it's a great point, and I, I do think that's something we have to make sure we. That's why we have to cling to the fundamentals because there is a big push to change church doctrine, and and we know that. The, the, the infallible teachings of the church cannot be changed, but they can be undermined a great deal. And so we really have to work to continue to promote what the, the true teachings of the church are. And, and I think that, I mean, ultimately, these purity spirals always end up just killing themselves because mm-hmm. nobody is pure enough. And that's exactly what's happening here is we just have this purity spiral that eventually everybody gets eliminated and, we, as, as as regular Catholics, we just have to endure it, and sometimes, like you're doing here, we have to respond to it uh, in order that Catholics understand. I, I did think it was funny. I saw some leftist Catholics say, does Scott recognize the uproar against him? <laughs> I was laughing because the uproar was not against him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uproar was against the people who were criticizing Scott Hahn. I mean, that's the funny thing. It's only in their little world in which they their little bubble on social media, do they think there's an actual uproar in the real Catholic world against Scott Hahn? The average Catholic in the pew, there's nothing, they have no no problem with Scott Hahn at all. Exactly, exactly. And I think I, I love what you said about the, the fact that we need to get, we have to be sure of the faith. We have to go in and find the things that have always and everywhere been taught and cling to those things. And because we live in turbulent times, uh, so during these times, uh, we got to cling to those things that we know for certain. Otherwise, we're going to be tossed and turned by the winds and the waves. And I think staying true to the faith is the way forward. And that's why I think Scott Hahn was endorsing what Bishop Strickland had to say, because this is all he said. This is all he said was reaffirming the teachings of the church. And it's very concerning if people would say that that is bad. And yeah, I think Scott Hahn is a perfect example. I've always been blown away when I listen to interviews of him and talks that he gives. I'm always blown away by his humility. He is an incredibly humble man. He doesn't defend himself. And it's and things like this, like we come out and defend him because we recognize, honestly, I believe that Scott Hahn, if he continues on the path he's on, will be an American saint. 
I, I really believe so. He's the, the amount of humility and the amount of slings and arrows thrown his way, and he just takes it and moves on and then pretends they don't even happen. And that is exactly what you would imagine a saint would do. Whereas if someone attacked me, I'm going to make a five-part uh, video explaining <laughs> why uh, they're wrong about attacking me. Uh, but, but what say you, Eric Sammons? Yeah, I mean, that is something true that, that I think people need to recognize is that he is the most famous Catholic in America. And we have seen too many Catholic celebrities engulfed in scandal and too much. And they're way too thin skinned. Uh, we see that with the people attacking Scott Hahn, that when they get criticized back, they, 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 they start crying about it like they're the victim. And, and Scott just doesn't engage in that. He's got a solid family. He's been married for over 44 years. I mean, it is a funny thing. If you know him a little bit, you know, he's kind of clueless about his own status in the, in the church. Like he does not right, even realize that he is the celebrity he is, which I think is a, a grace from God for him uh, that keeps him humble because I don't even think, because he's, he's so focused. Like you get in a conversation with him within two minutes, he's going to be talking about covenant theology or something from the Bible. I mean, it just, I don't care what you brought up initially. It will eventually come to that. <laughs> That's awesome. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And yeah, it, it seems that way. It seems he seems that way online and everybody I've ever talked to who has met him. Uh, people have told me, yeah, you know, he, he gave me his phone number. And then he, when I called him, he answered. And I was like, How did, who does that? Uh, someone of that scale and that magnitude, pretty amazing. Well, thank you very much. Eric Sammons, Crisis Magazine, editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Check it out. Uh, God bless you and God love you, Eric. God bless you. Keep up the good work. And that's going to do it. We're going to go into the next segment, talking to, to Dave Palmer about an intellectual Catholicism. So stay tuned with us. We'd love to have you. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you in just one second. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social ed, traffic, work, paint bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Boldly proclaiming the truths of our Catholic faith, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hi, I'm Claudia Garza, a parishioner at St. Edenstein Catholic Church in Katy. You are listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. We just wrapped up an awesome conversation with Eric Sammons talking about Scott Hahn and Bishop Strickland, two excellent, faithful sons of the church. And it's funny, we still got some comments coming in from our social media feeds, uh, people saying, just for that, I'm picking up Rome Sweet Home and reading it again. So there you go, folks. Uh, there you go. And support Scott Hahn today. Go buy one of his books or go pick up one that you have on your shelf and reread it. Uh, Scott Hahn. A great, great guy. Uh, joining us right now is Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father. Also, I could give him a million other accolades, but relevant to our conversation, host of Back to the Father, airing every Friday at, uh, what is it, 1 o'clock uh, Central Time. Good morning to you, Dave. Hey, Adrian. <clears throat> Good to be with you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. I'm glad to have you on. Now, Dave, before we jump into our conversation, I did want to ask, Scott Hahn, has he had, have you ever interacted with him? Do you, uh, did you ever interact with him in your conversion to the faith? Uh, tell me about your relationship with Scott Hahn. Yeah, two quick stories about that. I, I did <clears throat> many, many years ago when I was single, I was on a Catholic website and I met a young lady who was his personal assistant and she invited me up to Steubenville to spend a, a, a weekend, you know, with the, there was one of the big conferences that was going on. So, of course, for being his personal assistant, she brought me to his house. And I can totally vouch with what Eric said, because he's a very humble man. I understand his house is very open. He loves to have students there and anybody is kind of come and go. Very engaging. He talks very fast. He's got a very quick mind. Um, but uh, then the other thing is I, I did buy Rome Sweet Home many years ago when I was reverting back to the Catholic faith. And it was during the summer, and I went to the pool at my apartment complex, and I sat there, and I read the whole thing in one sitting and wow. got totally burnt like a lobster because <laughs> I got so engrossed in it. And for like the next two weeks, I was in pain with this horrible sunburn because I, I just couldn't put it down. And so I laid in the sun for hours. That's <laughs> hilarious. So you got your you got enough vitamin D to last you the rest of the year that year. <laughs> a lifetime supply. There you go. Praise be to God. That's great. Yeah. So that thing that's great. I'm glad to hear it. I know tons of people have many similar stories. We really could do a whole show of people just calling in and telling their stories and their how they uh, their relationship with Scott Hahn because uh, he is a very special man. Now on to back to the father. So. Today on Back to the Father, you're going to be talking about the virtue of studiousness against the vice of curiosity. And it's funny because immediately I was like, yes, let's talk about this. And I have this book here. It's called The Intellectual Life. And it's by Father, and I can never say his name because I just don't, I can't say French names. It's like Sertilangis. I don't know. I have no idea. It's a Dominican priest. (laughs) Right, exactly. He's a Dominican priest and he wrote this about how to have an intellectual life. And he talks about this exact issue. So uh, what kind of sparked your, your discussion on, um, on studiousness versus curiosity? 
Well, a couple of things. I think, first of all, a lot of, you know, what St. Thomas Aquinas teaches in philosophy, a lot of people would say, oh, that's so abstract. It doesn't really have to do with my everyday life. But this one actually does. And I think it's also one that a lot of people never think about because we are so immersed in the information age and there's so much information coming to us that it's extremely easy to get distracted. And I have heard you uh, quote uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, who said that, well, people said of St. Thomas Aquinas that if he wasn't speaking to God, he was speaking of God. And I think what you'll learn in reading, you know, and studying this part of the Summa about studiousness and curiosity is that most of us, myself included, we are very, very distracted. And St. Thomas Aquinas definitely makes the case that we need to spend our time uh, focusing directly or indirectly about God and really remain, keep our eye on the prize. And I can give you a few examples, but, um, yeah, but this is, this is the lesson. Studiousness, uh, falls under the virtue, the cardinal virtue of temperance and then the, the, the sub virtue of modesty. And so obviously with modesty, there's a mode, which means we have to kind of keep our, you know, studiousness within a range of not going two ways. I mean, obviously we can't read scripture 24 hours a day. We have to have some diversions, but at the same time, I think most of us get a little too distracted, let's just say, in our everyday life. Now, it's funny you say that because uh, I'm looking over in this book, and he has uh, the in the book, he has a small section on the virtues of an intellectual. And here he says, when I say to excess, I mean in both directions. To the virtue of studiousness, two vices are opposed, negligence on the one hand and vain curiosity on the other. We should not speak of the former as it is not hateful to the reader uh, because he's like, yeah, I mean, if you're picking up a book on the intellectual life, you're probably not going to be falling into negligence. You're probably going the <laughs> other direction. And I think that's true of uh, people who listen to Catholic radio, people who listen to uh, to these kind of podcasts and YouTube channels, things like that. They probably are not in the term of negligence, but instead they have vain curiosity of things that they may not necessarily need to have uh, information about. And so I want to ask you, Dave, when someone says that curiosity is not a virtue, this seems to go against the kind of what people sense. Like people say, okay, well, you know, curiosity is a good thing. You know, is we want kids to be curious. We want people to be curious, ask questions, mm -hmm. things like that. So what do we mean when we say vain curiosity? Well, funny you'd ask that. I, there's a classic example that I can think of, and it happened, uh, I believe, just before you were born, Adrian, back in 1995, and there was the, the O.J. Simpson trial. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but, or you could also talk about the Brett Kavanaugh trial or the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. It, it tends, there, there's times when these trials kind of capture the national attention, and many of us, and myself included, I've been guilty of some of this, Spend, you know, we spend a lot of time getting very, very focused in a lot of minutia and details and gore and uh, of something that really has no impact in our life. I mean, it's, 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 it's important to the people involved in that, but to get all wrapped up in it, uh, you, you know, that's, that, that's vain curiosity. That's time that could have been spent, you know, reading scripture or praying. Uh, and, and, you know, so that, that's one extreme. But then I, I find it interesting. Uh, Thomas talks, and I think this applies to a lot of people. He says, um, when one seeks to know the truth about creatures without referring his knowledge to the due end to the knowledge of God. So imagine somebody who's a 
a botanist or a biologist or a, a chemist or a teacher, and they're, they have a lot of interest in the natural world, and they teach about the natural world or they study the natural world or plants or animals or zoology, and they don't refer to God. Okay, that's, that's one that people may not think about, but if you're spending a lot of time studying something of the world and not referring it to its final end, that's curiosity. You know, I think most people wouldn't put it in that category. Nobody ever talks about that. You know, it's funny because I, I was talking about this, it was a little while ago at this point, where I was talking about the way in which we learn. We don't think or learn systematically anymore. Instead, it's more of an eclectic knowledge. We like to collect information, and it's very much YouTube culture. We see a video that's like, oh, on this information, how do bikes work? And you click on it, you learn how bikes work. Uh, but you didn't actually go back to the beginning and learn the fundamentals of physics and of engineering and things like that. You're kind of just getting this very precise information about a very particular set of knowledge. And in the book on the intellectual life, he actually addresses this. He says that St. Thomas's advice is that the wise man begins at the beginning and does not take a second step until he has made sure of the first. That is why self-taught men have so many weak points, because they cannot all by themselves begin at the beginning. And I think that's important because that's really, I mean, I have the same problem when I try to teach myself things. I always just want to jump in and learn the information I want to know and not start from the beginning and build the foundation leading up to the information that I want to know, because that takes, takes way too long, Dave. Uh, so uh, what say you about this kind of vice of curiosity, saying let's just jump into the information, not build a foundation? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the very first article of the Summa, Thomas is talking about our final end. Okay, Our final end is beyond us, and that's why we have sacred doctrine. That's why we're taught about things that uh, guide us to our final end. It's like if you're going on a vacation, you're very, very focused on the final end, and everything that you do from packing your bags to buying your tickets to getting the money is all focused. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. We we have to start education teaching children that everything that they do without exception has to be focused one way or another on the final end. And then it's not just this piecemeal, you know, uh, you know, uh, just a whole bunch of information, like you say, coming at them in different directions that's unrelated to each other. It needs to be united to one particular goal. And it's funny, I, I fall into the same vice because I have this book on moral theology and the first half of the book is setting up the theology of moral theology, explaining the premises and how it works, how to think through it. And then the second half is like examples. And it gives examples and then it gives and then tells you the, the answer. And what do I do? I skip to the back of the book and find, <laughs> and find the examples and read those instead of reading the, the first half, which actually explains the principles. Uh, do you find yourself in that kind of situation, Dave, or is that just me? Uh, I think that's just you, Adrian. <laughs> no, I, 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 somewhat unrelated to that, but somewhat related. I, I think it's, I remember back in the 80s, again, long before the, the age of Adrian Fonseca, but this game came out called Trivial Pursuit. You've probably heard of that. It's still, it's still around. 
And it's all these stacks, all these just kind of about entertainment or about history. And it's a fun game, and I've played it. I've enjoyed it. But, again, it's just a whole bunch of unrelated facts, and people pride themselves in knowing little tidbits of information that may or may not not ever be related to anything that significant. You know, like the game Jeopardy. You know, it's just a whole bunch of information. Uh, But, uh, yeah, but I'm guilty of uh, the kind of thing you're talking about. I like to cut to the chase and, you know, uh, (laughs) get to the end of the book before (laughs) learning about the beginning of it. Yeah, guilty as charged. So are you saying, Dave, that someone could be an expert in a fear and trembling game show, Catholic trivia, and still not know the Catholic faith? I don't know if I'd go that far. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm too smart to criticize a fundamental part of your show. <laughs> your show okay? I'm, I'm not going to go there. No, I, I, I listen to Fair and Trembling every day driving my, my daughter to school, and we enjoy it very much. And I'm always trying to get her to call in. I think, Mara, call in, call in. But she, she's, uh, she's a little bit shy. Um, unlike the rocket scientist you had on, yes. I guess, yesterday, by right, that young lady. But, um, you know, one other thing, if I may add real of quickly, course. Adrian, uh, a couple of things. He, he talks about some people will seek knowledge for the sake of building up their pride. You know, mm. they want to they want to be able to prove how smart they are. And I think that's that's probably very common in, in academia, you know, and, and I, I certainly I understand that. And also, he says, uh, when a man seeks to know the truth above the capacity of his own intellect, Think about that. There are some people that are just more intellectual than others, and maybe some of us shouldn't be studying things that are higher than maybe what we should, you know, because maybe there's something else that a particular person should be focusing their time on. So anyways, there's a lot there's a lot here to, to digest and think about. And I think, again, it's very practical. Amen. And so definitely check out Back to the Father today to hear more on this conversation. I think that's so true, though, because, yeah, sometimes – you don't need to pick up a theology textbook. Just pick up the the penny catechisms, the, the Baltimore catechism, the catechism of Pius X, these little bitty catechisms that were written for simple people, and maybe that's enough for you. Maybe you don't you don't need to get into the, the giant catechisms and the giant theology textbooks. Uh, sometimes the simple things is what we need, uh, but we all should have an intellectual life, right, Dave? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, certainly, yes. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, we can't say, oh, just because I'm not a theologian, I never will be a theologian. Therefore, I should have no intellectual life whatsoever. Instead, it means you you just go with what the, is accessible to you and whatever is accessible to you. It's depending on your disposition. And so I think it's very important. Uh, but God bless you, Dave. Uh, where can people get in touch and be able to watch Back to the Father today? We are on all the Guadalupe Radio Network social media sites, the uh, YouTube and Facebook and what's now called X, the the artist formerly known as Twitter. And uh, it's at 1 o'clock Central Time today on all those. We'll be talking about the the vice of curiosity and the virtue of studiousness on the show today. It's one hour long, and we try to have fun with it. Amen, amen. So I'll be looking forward to that. So stay tuned. And we're going to go into, speaking of uh, studiousness and curiosity, into our Fear and Trembling game show. And you could be the winner. How do you do so? You call now, 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. Call now. We always take the first caller. So if you would like to join us, We'd love to have you. We're giving out prizes. And today's a day when we draw out the prize. So if you would like, call now, 877-757-9424. One last time, 
877-757-9424. We take the first caller. We'll be right back with Beer and Trembling right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. The reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. And guess what? You're listening to Fear and Trembling, where we're giving out prizes. And today's the day when we give out the prize. Now, you may be asking, how do I win? How does this game work? It's very simple. I have here in front of me three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. Instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions, and you're going to give me an answer of whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we're giving away this book. If you're watching us on our live feeds, I'm holding it up. If you're not watching on the live feeds, let me describe it to you. It is a, a wonderful book. And it's called The Synodal Process is a Pandora's Box. It's a short little catechism type book. It's 100 questions and answers on the synodal process, which I know you and I both have questions about. You know, what is the synodal process? Why is it so crazy? Uh, is it a Pandora's Box? All of those are answered in this book. And it's all thanks to the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. They have generously sponsored our game show this week with this book. Now, you can... Uh, you can let us know, whoever whoever's on the phone today, you can let us know how many copies you want. I think we're probably going to send out two or three to yeah. whoever wins today. But thanks be to God. Thank you, TFP. Well, joining us right now is our friend Alan Mallory. Good morning Alan. to you, Alan. Good, good morning, brothers. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in with a sigh. <sighs> Alan, uh, well, I tell you what, Alan. Uh, we definitely 
we can definitely play the game with you, but as a gift, because I mean, you're in the Houston area, you come by the studio all the time. We won't even put your name in the in the coffee cup. We'll, I'll give you one. I have an extra copy, and next time you come to the studio, I'll give you my copy. How's that sound, Alan? That that that, that sounds great. That that sounds great. And I'm thinking of I'm thinking of of somebody else who I pray the rosary with every week, and she probably would show an interest probably in the book as well too. All right. So, you know, well, you let me know. I'll even let her borrow it too. So, there you yeah. go. Maybe I'll give you two. Maybe I'll give you two. But God bless you, Alan. Thanks for calling in. You're you're familiar with the game. You know how it works, and you're also a really, really great expert in Catholic trivia as well. So I'm very confident in your chances of getting the answers correct. How do you feel, Alan? Uh, I feel pretty good. And uh, with the last segment with Dave, um, I am guilty as charged with pursuing a lot of that stuff as well, too. I think we all are. Yeah, I think we all are. (laughs) All right, Alan. Having coffee, we'll we'll talk about everything. Guilty, guilty, guilty. So true. So true. All right, Alan, are you ready to play the game? Yes, I am ready. Estoy listo. All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. Okay. The question on the board is, this could be tricky. This mm. could be tricky. Tricky? No. It could be. I would never be tricky with anybody. <laughs> Come Rudy, on. not tricky? No way. What timeline Come are we on. in? All right, the question on the board is, what is the church's dedication for the month? of September. Everybody knows that when September comes around, mm-hmm. it's Labor Day weekend, baby. Labor Three Day, day weekend. weekend, let's go. Oh, wow. And so the church, they looked at America and they said, wow, you know, they, they have something going on there that I think we should implement all over. And so in September, they dedicate September to Our Lady of Labor. Oh. Our Lady of Labor. Our Lady of Labor because she didn't go through labor. What? In in childbirth. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there's no labor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Alan, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the church's dedication for the month of September? Well, Rudy says it's dedicated to Our Lady of Labor. What say you, Alan? You cannot be serious. False. <laughs> False. All right, let's see if that is correct. Survey says... That is correct, Alan. Uh, do you know what the correct answer is? <laughs> Deep sigh. No, no, I'm sighing. No, no, no. It's, it's not. It's, I'm, is, it, is it the holy name? No, no. Uh, the correct answer close. is Our Lady Queen of Martyrs, a.k.a. Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, that is the same, same title. Our Lady is Queen of the Martyrs because of her sorrows, the seven sores that pierced her heart. And so is dedicated Not to our lady. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So way to go. Uh, you know, we're experiencing a little bit of martyrdom today. I'm experiencing a little sorrow today. Yeah. So there you go. True. All right, Alan, are you ready for question number two? Definitely. Let's jump into it. Question number two for you, Rudy. What is the voice of reason or the voice of God that bids us to do right and avoid wrong? Did you know, Adrian, that uh, not everybody has this? Really? But it's called an internal dialogue. Oh. For example, if I was to go up to a random stranger and I said, when I say the color green, what comes to mind? For some people who don't, who don't have an inner dialogue, the word pops into their mind as if they're visualizing the word. And for others who do have the interior dialogue, the color green is what they imagine. So 
Not everybody has one. That explains why there's so much evil in the world. It's called an inner dialogue. Wow, I was thinking it was a, a Jiminy Cricket. So, hmm, hmm, interesting. I thought, you know, a Jiminy Cricket just described those kind of things for you and just told you. You don't have a Jiminy Cricket? Talk- <laughs> Is that just me? You can't see mine? You can't see- It's on my shoulder right now. Like, you don't- he's right here. He's right there. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, 15 seconds on the clock, Alan. The question on the board is, what is the voice of reason of God that bids us to do right and avoid wrong? Well, Rudy says that it is your internal dialogue. Uh, what say you, Alan? Well, it looks like Alan dropped off the line. So, Dang. Alan, if you would call back, we'd be very grateful. I'm just checking right now. And, yeah, he uh, got dropped from our line. So, Alan, if you can call back, we'd be very grateful. Um, but I guess um, – Am I right or am I wrong, Adrian? I guess I, would, I will check that and we'll, we'll give him this question. Uh, so, nonetheless, I would say that uh, you are, in fact, correct. That is an internal dialogue. Um, no. no, it's not correct. <laughs> Actually, it's, not it's correct. conscience. Yeah, it's your okay. conscience. Yeah. Everybody's got one. God put it there for a reason. We have the capacity to do right and, and do wrong, but uh, God speaks to us and wants us to do what is right. So that is your conscience. Uh, we AKA have to, uh, Jiminy Cricket. We have, exactly. <laughs> we have to develop that. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Well, Alan, if you can call back in, we'd be very grateful to have you back on. Uh, But if not, we'll jump into the next question and we'll just uh, play the game ourselves. And uh, like I said, we're not even putting your name in the coffee cup anyways, because I'm going to give give you you one. I'm going to give you one next time you come (laughs) into the office. Uh, But uh, so so nonetheless, we will continue on then. Okay. All right. Then question number three. The question on the board. What must a Catholic Okay, I read this. I read this completely wrong in my head, and so this is really kind of. I'll explain. I'll explain afterwards. I'll explain afterwards. What must a Catholic host be made of? A Catholic host, you know, he's got to have some grit. You know, he's got to he's got to wear a tie every day. Um, approximately. I don't know. Maybe six feet tall. Maybe a little less. Mm-hmm. Um. He's got to have a foundation, you know. Oh. He's got to have. He's got to have like metal, metal, you know. Yeah. Now, some would say like Adrian Fonseca. Ah, oh, interesting. That's what a Catholic host should be made out of. All right, all right, all right. Alan, Alan is back on with us. The question on the board is: What must a Catholic host host be made out of? And Rudy says he's got to got. He has got to have grit, a little bit of metal, and some faithfulness, and uh, you got to be pretty tall. About. Six feet tall, maybe, maybe a little bit less. Uh, what say you, nine. Alan? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's false. You're gonna say it's false. All right, let's check that. <laughs> Survey says that is correct, right, Alan. Right, that Alan. is in fact correct. Um, yeah. Oh, you were talking about the the wafer host, the Eucharistic host, uh, the Eucharistic host. Yeah, oh, well, that's yeah. easy. It's just got to be pure unleavened wheat and water. Oh, it's two ingredients. So that's why I laughed because when I read that, I read. 
what must a Catholic host be made out of? And immediately I was thinking, like, like, like my job. Host. Yeah. And then, and then, I, and then I read pure unleavened weed and water. And I was like, I was like, I, why am I so dumb? Dude, you gave away the joke. Come I know. On. Cause I, I didn't get it. And I was reading it and I was like, oh man, that's. <laughs> well, all right. Alan, you are in for three, but that doesn't matter because we're going to give you a couple, a couple copies anyway. We, we did get a lot of copies from the TFP. Thanks be to God. So I am now shuffling all of the entries from this week. There you go. And we are about to draw the winner of the prize this week. The Sonobel Prize. And the winner from this week is... Pick one, Adrian. Uh, That one. This one? That one. This one's That one right there. Okay, that's Alan. Alan, you win! No. Okay. All right, pick one more. All right, to pick the one on the right. On the right. The far right. This one. That one, yeah. Lee! Lee! Lee is the winner this week. Lee, you won. The Synodal Process is Pandora's. Is it Pandora's box? Hope you enjoy that one, Lee. Well, praise be to God. Uh, Lee, you are the winner. And Alan, you are also a winner. Uh, Apparently, we drew your name and. We're giving you one anyway, so uh, two winners this week, Lee and Alan. Alan, next time you come into the studio, I'll give you that, and Lee will be sending that prize out to you. Uh, we'll reach out and see how many copies you would like, and we'll send you a few of those. Uh, but God bless you, Alan. Thanks for playing. Hey, thanks. Uh, sorry about that. The phone call dropped. I've been having some issue with this. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Satan is, I don't know, doing something with my phone. I don't know what's going on. That's well, right. Come visit us, brother. Well, there you go. And praise yeah, be to God, exactly. you uh, you hopped on the line anyway. So praise be to God. We love to having you on. But God bless you. God love you. And have a great weekend. Hey, hey, thanks a lot. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Yep, Labor Day weekend. Not uh, not a religious holiday, but not a religious anyway. holiday. So true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Go to go to church anyway. It's a holy day of opportunity. You're might be off of work, so make it to Holy Mass instead. Way to go, Alan. That's a good. That's a good message to leave us on. All right. That's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Hop on our social media streams, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, wherever it is, you can join us. Hop on, look up Catholic Drive Time and join us. We'd love to chat with you directly. But if not, we'll see you back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Monday, we will, in fact, have a show but it probably won't be live. So make sure you get stay tuned in on Monday to see all of what we have in store for you. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Soul Community. Today we celebrate a votive Mass of the Sacred Heart of Jesus on this first Friday. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers those joining us through Guadalupe Radio, 
and those here present. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Clothe us, Lord God, with the virtues of the heart of your Son, and set us aflame with his love, that conformed to his image we may merit a share in eternal redemption. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This is the will of God, your holiness, that you refrain from immortality that each of you know how to acquire a wife for himself in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion, as do the Gentiles who do not know God, not to take advantage of or exploit a brother or sister in this matter, for the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you before and solemnly affirmed. For God did not call us to impurity but to holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not a human being, but God, who also gives his Holy Spirit to you. The word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The Lord is King, let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. 
Justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all people see his glory. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The Lord loves those who hate evil. He guards the lives of his faithful ones. From the hand of the wicked he delivers them. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Light dawns for the just, and gladness for the upright of heart. Be glad in the Lord, you just, and give thanks to his holy name. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you may have the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday's gospel and today's gospel remind us to, that we are to keep watch. The, the, both of these gospels really remind us that we are in that sort of immediate time between Christ's first coming and his second coming, something we celebrate very uh, adamantly during the time of Advent. And in that time, we are to stay awake. It's interesting that the five foolish and five wise virgins, all of them fell asleep. <laughs> All of them became drowsy, waiting for the bridegroom to come. But there was, of course, one difference, and the difference is the oil. You know, in, in olden times, the, 
those who were at a wedding feast, of course, these would be the bridesmaids, the virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom to arrive at the, at the, 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 father's, uh, the father of the bride's house. They were waiting, but then he was long delayed. We don't know why he was delayed, but he was long delayed. And so they became drowsy and they fall, fell asleep. The wise and the foolish had, had oil, but not enough, especially the foolish ones. What is that oil? If anybody can find it, there's a little, there's a nice little gem in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I've looked at it, I know I found it one time years ago. I cannot find it again. If you find it, email me or email our Lady of Corpus Christi. Just let me know if you know where it is. Where it, it identifies that oil as charity. This is something, of course, St. Augustine wrote about a lot. The oil is charity. And it makes sense for a couple of ways. Number one, of course, what St. Augustine points out is that oil tends to float above water. And so when St. Paul says something like, let me show you a higher way, the way of love, the way of charity, faith, hope, and love, these three things remain, or the, the, but, all the, but what endures forever is love. So that is the highest way. And so like oil that floats on water, that is the, high, the higher way. So this oil then is charity, which of course is the light of our heart, which is to shine in the darkness through our good deeds. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Let that light shine before all so that they may see your good works and glorify my heavenly father. And so again, the oil of course is what keeps the fire burning. What happens with the foolish virgins is that not only did they fall asleep like the wise, but they had no oil. They did not have enough oil to sustain them for when the bridegroom would come, when he was going to come and we'd have to make a final account for our life. We always have to have that oil of charity burning within us so that through the night, and even when we become drowsy, we still, we still have that fire of love for God and for our neighbor that continues to keep us vigilant uh, as on our, on our earthly journey here. The other thing that points out why this oil could be considered as charity is at the very end of the gospel, when the foolish virgins go out and try to, try to buy love, you can't buy me love, you can't buy it in the middle of the night, and the wise virgins are kind of chiding the foolish ones saying, there's not going to be enough for you and for us. It's not that they're stingy. It's that I can't really give you love. I can't give you charity. I can share it with you. I can be charitable towards you, but I can't give it to you and say, oh, here's your download love into your heart. It doesn't work that way. So they're sort of chiding them, well, you know, go out to the merchants and buy it. So they go off to, to, to try to buy it in the middle of the night. And then they come back and they knock on the door, Lord, Lord, open for the door for us. And he says, amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Isn't it charity? Isn't it love that makes us most like God? Because God is love. And so those who were wise, of course, kept that love of, of, of God burning in their hearts, waiting for him. And when, they, when he came, then the door was open for them and they went in with the bridegroom. But those who do not have love, who do not have the charity of God in their heart, this highest of all things, are, un, the, most, the, are the most unlike. Christ, unlike the bridegroom. It reminds us that 
our good deeds are what keep that fire of love for God for a neighbor burning. Let's end by what St. Augustine says. He says, watch with the heart, watch with faith, watch with love, watch with charity, watch with good works. Make ready the lamps, make sure that they do not go out. Renew them with an inner oil of an upright conscience. Then shall the bridegroom enfold you in the embrace of his love and bring you into his banquet room where your lamp can never be extinguished. Let us bring our prayers before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, in particular for his intention for today, this World Day, of those who have care and concern for our common home, that we always be good stewards of God's creation and what God has given us. We pray to the Lord. We pray for peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for those who, whom the love of God has gone cold, do not have that fire of divine charity within them, that through God's merciful love and his care, they recognize his goodness and return to him. Let us pray to the Lord. That the Lord, through the intention of his sacred heart, would, would remove all evil and hatred from our world, the love of God would persevere and be victorious. Let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for all those who have died and for the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for our own intentions that we hold in our hearts, the intentions of those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Network. For these special intentions, let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O 
O God, Father of mercies, who because of the great love with which you loved us, with untold, with untold goodness gave us your only begotten Son, grant, we pray, that being perfectly united with him, we may offer you worthy homage through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For raised up high on the cross, he gave himself up for us with wonderful love, and poured out blood and water from his pierced side, the wellspring of the church sacraments, so that one over to the open heart of the Savior all might draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice. Once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free.
Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, the blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And it's offered to the sign of peace. On you stay. Qui tollis peccatam undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatam undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatam undi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be. Thus says the Lord, Let whoever is thirsty 
Come to me and drink. Streams of living water will flow from within the one who believes in me. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Made partakers in your sacrament of charity, we humbly implore your mercy, Lord, that we may be conformed to Christ on earth and merit to be co-heirs of his glory in heaven, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of death. Amen.
Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Jonathan Rea, Houston native, Longhorn alum, and the chaplain of the University Catholic Center at UT Austin. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.